What's going on, everyone? And welcome into this edition of B-Shape Daily Live, where tonight we're talking about an 8-6 Cardinals win over the Red Sox. Come from behind fashion. First time they've done that all year, I think. At least in the fashion that we saw tonight, where you're in the late innings. You take that lead, it gets removed, and you feel like all hope is lost. And the Cardinals turn around, and they come up with a rally against Kenley Jansen of all closers in the game to do it against. They do it against Kenley Jansen. I framed it this way on Twitter. Life gave him a lemon, and they were able to make an entire pitcher of lemonade. And all of Cardinals Nation drank from that cup. What a win for the Cardinals. Welcome into the stream tonight. Go ahead and subscribe to the channel if you're new. Helps me out, and it allows you to be able to join the live chat there on your screen. It'll only be a minute of a delay, and then you'll be eligible to chat along with everybody else in Cardinals Nation. We've got a lot of comments already to get to, which I love. And I may just kind of jump in as we go, but I want to talk a little bit about the game and some things that stood out to me. Uh, Nolan Arenado, I think, is first and foremost. Like, we've still got the starting pitching concerns to talk about with the Cardinals, and that has continued game after game after game. It was the case today as well as Wainwright was not quite as sharp as I think he would have wanted to be, as sharp as Cardinals fans would have wanted to see from him. Uh, But it happened. He got five innings of four-run baseball out of him. And the Cardinals were in the game. Now, they end up scoring those runs in the sixth inning to take the lead. And so you felt like things were finally going to go their way. Nolan Arenado, four for five, two RBIs, had the home run to kick things off in the first. That's the version of Nolan Arenado that you need to see if you're the Cardinals. Already the OPS up to 672. He'll be up to 700 by, you know, maybe by the end of tomorrow if he continues to hit lefties the way that he did today. Chris Sale, I believe, is on the Mound tomorrow for the Red Sox, and so for Arenado, that just may be the start of something very beautiful, and the Cardinals needed it from him. Now, what they did not need was the two consecutive walks by Genesis Cabrera there in the eighth inning. We'll talk about it. I think there's maybe more than meets the eye on the decision to have Cabrera face Rafael Devers, but I want to know from Cardinals fans before I get into it what you thought of it. I know what I thought of it in the moment. I think it's definitely one that we've got to talk about, but maybe not as simple as a lot of people would have made it out to be, uh, especially when you consider some of the rules that were in play there that I saw. I had to to go back and forth with some people on Twitter uh, about some of that. So that'll be an aspect of this game that we'll talk about. We won't talk about it, though, nearly as much as we otherwise would have had that been the end of the story. But it was not the end of the story tonight for the Cardinals because they come back in the ninth. Talk about runs given back. Kenley Jansen giving back the runs the Red Sox had earned and then some as the Cardinals have a three-run ninth punctuated by Nolan Gorman all-star season. You love to see it if you're a Cardinals fan. And that's how this one goes, 8-6 Cardinals. Give the stream a like if you'd be so kind. I'm going to jump right into the comments because I know you guys have probably got a lot to say. And one more time, if you'd like to jump in and be a commenter yourself, just give me a subscription right here on YouTube for free fitty. And then you'll be a minute away from being eligible to comment. Let's kick it off with Caleb, who says, if that win doesn't jumpstart this team, nothing will. What a game. What a game indeed for the Cardinals, as it had a little bit of everything, right? You have the struggles of the rotation continue. It's been a theme all week. It's been a theme all season. It looked like Adam Wainwright was going to be okay in this start, but then just kind of saw the wheels fall off a bit on him in the fifth inning, as so often happens for Cardinals pitching this season. Now, he did give up a couple of those runs in the fourth, but the two home runs back-to-back in the fifth, just not what you wanted to see if you were Wainwright trying to get back on the horse after things got away from him a bit in the fourth. There was a little bit of bad luck, some balls that find their way inside the foul line, things of that nature. 
Uh, honestly, some good luck with the ball girl helping out, turning a, a hit into a ground rule double that otherwise might have scored an additional run. So you have things going both ways a little bit, but you get into the fifth there and allow the two bombs. It's clear Wainwright wasn't at his sharpest. I will say, though, velocity looked like it was a tick up at times tonight, and I like the way the sinker was working for him. You could tell in the early innings that Wainwright had that pitch tonight, and that was going to be one that had a lot of movement. He was able to use it uh, kind of front side on left-handed batters and sneak it into the inside portion of that strike zone. Got a, uh, some calls looking that way. The Cardinals, though, offensively were striking out a ton against James Paxton tonight. I don't know how many he ended up with. I'll have to check that real quick. He had nine at my last count, and that's what he finished with. Nine strikeouts in five innings for Paxton. It was kind of nice, honestly, that the Red Sox pulled him from the game. I don't know what his exact pitch count was at that point, but it was nice to see because uh, 87 pitches was the number, but when Kowski came in and the Cardinals immediately jumped all over him, were able to grab the lead like that, I thought it was kind of a benefit that the Red Sox didn't throw out Paxton for the sixth. I kind of get it because he's coming off of Tommy John. He hasn't pitched in the big leagues since 2021. And in that situation, they kind of figured, ah, he did his job. He gave uh, us all that we needed from him. But good thing, because for whatever reason, the Cardinals didn't see this guy as well as I kind of thought they would. After Arenado jumped all over him, I thought this is going to be the barrage we've been waiting to see from this Cardinal lineup against a lefty starter who – Hasn't been successful even when he has pitched recently. Uh, and then you you factor in a whole season off with Tommy John. His rehab starts uh, this season didn't look great. I think the ERA was above six in those minor league games for Paxton. So a little surprised that the Cardinals didn't do more damage against him. But all's well that ends well. They get the win 8-6. But it, it's absolutely true, Caleb. That's the one that I think has to be the, the thing that can jumpstart the Cardinals. But what do they say about momentum in baseball? It's only as good as your next day's starting pitcher, and that has been the problem for the Cardinals because every day's starting pitcher has been rather unreliable. And so if the Cardinals are going to turn this into something that has meaning, they're 14-25 and right now. They're still in last in the NL Central. It's a big win. It's one that looked like a loss, and so you can can count your blessings that you're able to to get the dub today. But at the same time, you know, it's hard not to just immediately turn the page and ask, well... What are you going to see tomorrow? Because if you can't sustain it, what more does it really mean for the Cardinals? And uh, it's going to be up to, uh, well, who is next? I guess it's Steven Matz, maybe. We haven't seen him in a while. You'd think I'd be better at, like, knowing the next day's pitcher. But I I just kind of make it up as I go. But, yeah, it's a huge win for the Cardinals and uh, definitely one that that they needed to kind of stem the tide a little bit. Because if you keep going further in the wrong direction, it sounds simple, but it it's all that much more difficult to then get things going in the right direction. And so to have one go their way and to have it go their way in kind of emphatic fashion uh, is nice to see for St. Louis for once in a season that has really just not had those kinds of moments very often this year. Uh, Childish Gambino says, instead of having our hearts broken, we've returned the favor. What a game. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of like the shoe is finally on the other foot for the Cardinals, which you figured it eventually would have to be, right? It couldn't possibly keep going the way that it was going and then it goes that way for three weeks and four weeks and five weeks. And you're like, good grief. When does it end? Well, I don't know. Maybe this was the beginning of that. Maybe the Cubs series was the beginning of that. We still, though, have not seen starting pitching for the Cardinals turn around. I don't want to pretend like even though the Cardinals have now won four or five, that all is well in Cardinals land. It isn't when you think about the way these games have been won. Starting pitching has remained an issue. They have not had a single starter go deeper than five innings pitched over the last Four games. It was Steven Matz five days ago that had a five and a third inning outing. 
and then the bullpen gave that up. They had to come all the way back, and then they destroyed the Tigers in that 12-6 win on Sunday. I think that was the match start, if memory serves, and that's the last time they've had a, a starting pitcher get an out in the sixth inning. So that's uh, the, the task it matches feet once again tomorrow to be able to do that. Welcome into the stream, guys. If you're just joining, uh, go ahead and throw me a subscription on the YouTube channel. We are over 660 as of starting the stream tonight. I told myself waking up this morning, wouldn't it be lovely to get to 700 uh, subscribers today? Probably not going to quite happen, uh, but we're going to get there, and then we're going to get to 1,000, and then we'll really start to be able to have some fun. So throw me a sub, and when you do, you will be able to comment on the stream within a singular minute, just 60 seconds. I have it set that way to try and compel you to help me out if you'd be so kind. We're up to 30 likes. I want to see it get to 40, though, if y'all can help me out with that while I read Rhino's comment here. Hey, Shave, thanks for clearing up the three-batter minimum on Twitter, LOL. Although I hadn't been smoking anything. Yeah, so there was some back and forth with some folks on Twitter about the situation there in the eighth inning. Genesis Cabrera recording the final out of the seventh. He relieved Andre Pallante, uh, which I saw somebody ask me. I forget who it was, so I apologize. But somebody said, why did Ollie take Pallante out when he was rolling along? And I don't have the exact answer for it, um, but Cabrera comes in and gets the, the emphatic final out of the seventh inning, so all is well there. Uh, I, I do wonder, though, because both of those guys are sort of pseudo-lefties. You use Palante like a lefty because he has reverse splits. Maybe there was something extra splitty or specific about the batter that they really thought Cabrera was a better matchup. Whatever the case was, it worked out to end the seventh. But what happens in the eighth is relevant to that because you know the three-batter minimum has been a thing for several years in Major League Baseball. But in that situation, when Cabrera goes out for the eighth, he cannot be pulled after the initial walk of that eighth inning. Because at that point, he has only faced two batters. He can pull, Ali Marmel can pull him if he doesn't pitch in the eighth at all. If you finish the seventh, you can you can go off into the sunset, and that's allowed. But once you come back out for the eighth inning, now it's the three-batter minimum. It's in effect once again. You don't have to face three batters within that eighth. You need to face a total of three minimum. He faced one in the seventh, and then he faces a batter in the eighth. He walks the first one, and the second one comes to bat. Had to face that guy. By rule, he had to face him unless he leaves with an injury designation. And I know there was some confusion about that. That is the rule. How do I know? I thought it was the rule, and I double-checked it by Googling it and found it on MLB.com, and that is indeed the rule. Uh, there's no shame in checking yourself. You check your work, my friends. So I checked it. That was the case. And so Ali Marmel, obviously, with no decision to be made yet, Hennessy Cabrera walks the second batter. I believe it was something insane, like he had thrown three strikes and ten balls in that inning for those two those two batters, and uh, you're you're in a, a world of hurt. You could just see the look on Ollie Marmel's face, man. They showed it on the broadcast, and they lingered on it after that second walk of the eighth inning, and the face said, "Could y'all please not right now? Like, could y'all please not do this to me right now?" And it was the gears were spinning. I think Ollie and, and y'all can let me know what he says on the post game. I think he was making consideration of what do you do here? Do you go out? Do you stall? Do you, you give Ryan Helsley some time to warm up and give him Raphael Devers in that situation? Or do you let Cabrera face him? Now, here's the situation. Left on left in his career, Devers has a seven-some-odd OPS uh, against left-handed pitching. Against righties, it's well over 900 for the career of very good, very underrated slugger, Rafael Devers, longtime Boston Red Sox. All right, so that's the situation if you're Ali Marmel. You know that it's a better matchup if you keep Cabrera in there left on left. But if you watched him pitch to the previous two guys, 
you know that's a decision. You know that you are, you might be passively doing nothing by leaving him in there, but you are actively making the decision not to take him out. That's really the way I think you got to think about it because he looked rough and whether he was going to walk him, like how does this normally work when a guy walks two guys, he's not going to walk the third guy. What's he going to do? He's going to groove one, right? He's going to try to be a little too fine. He's going to groove one. The matchup so very overwhelmingly favored going left on left there for the Cardinals that you're caught between a rock and a hard place if you're Ollie Marmol. I know a lot of people said, what is Ollie doing? Is he sleeping on the job? I can't wait to hear what he says post-game. He's probably already said it. It's probably been on TV, but I'm here with y'all, so I don't know what it was. But I can understand that that's a tougher decision than I think people were going to make it out to be because I, you know, as he was facing him, as Cabrera remained in that game, I thought, I'm going to Google this, and I'm going to find out that Devers splits because I didn't know him before I looked it up. But I said, I know I'm about to look this up and see an overwhelming split advantage to keep with the lefty. It's the only lefty they had ready. It was the only one they have. That It's the move they had to make if they were going to go left on left. you got to stick with Cabrera. But there's another school of thought where you say, I've seen Cabrera throw to two plate appearances in a row, and this ain't ending well. And so you could have gone the other way with it. He had to face the second batter of the eighth once he walked the first. You cannot legally take him out. But he did not have to face Devers. It was a decision and obviously it didn't work out. I mean, it worked out in so much as the Cardinals won the game. But in that spot, it did not work out to have Cabrera uh, face Devers. He gaps one into the Bermuda Triangle in right center, as Chip Carey put it, and that was the Red Sox lead. Obviously, it ended up working out for the Cardinals, but that was a moment that I knew was going to be discussed, especially before the comeback punctuated by the Gorman bomb. Uh, I knew that was going to be a topic. But even after that, I knew we'd still have to bring it up because it was a, a moment where the game was nearly lost for the Cardinals. What did you think of it? What do you think of it now, kind of knowing if, if you didn't know the rules explanation or the splits advantage that the Cardinals saw left on left? Like, that is managing right now. So you want to be a big league manager. Like, that is where the going get tough. you got to try to make a tough decision on the fly if you're Ollie Marmel. He knows those splits. He knows the information. I know a lot of Cardinals fans don't think highly of the job he's done as a manager this year. I'm telling you, in that moment, he's the gears are turning, and he's trying to determine hey, I got to make a decision and stick with it. And the the move was to stick with Cabby. And, like, that's why he does what he does anyway. He figures that, all right, if I bring in Cabrera here to finish the seventh, we know he's at least going to go through Devers, and then that's when you probably go to Helsley, regardless of the inning or the situation. Devers is probably the last bat for Cabrera. And when he ends the seventh so emphatically, you're thinking, great, like, we're off to a roaring start. But then he just loses it. During the sit-down between innings, he loses it. He didn't have his command anymore, and then he obviously got a little too fine. Left one, I thought, over the plate a little too much that Devers was able to do damage with. It's a decision that didn't work out, but I, honestly, I don't think it was as cut and dry as a lot of people in the moment wanted to make it out to be, uh, but I can respect either side of it. As long, I, like, I can respect you thinking he should have done it, he should have pulled him, I said it in the moment, but I also think it's fair to point out all of the information and then make that decision. If you still feel the same way, kudos, because in the moment I was thinking, Man, I know what these numbers probably are, but gut feel, I don't think you can let Cabrera face him because it just doesn't, it's just not looking good right now. He's going to probably hang one. He kind of sort of did, got got away with it in so much as it wasn't a home run. But at the same time, a lot of people were probably thinking that same way that you got to pull him no matter what. And, you know, maybe you would have been right. I, we don't know how it would have unfolded. We do know that uh, the, the big swing was delivered by Devers against Cabrera but that's baseball right there guys that is what's so beautiful about baseball is I think you legitimately had two options I don't know that one was objectively better than the other I think both of the options kind of sucked like it sucked no matter what 
You got to take out your lefty when a guy's splitty like that, you know, 700 OPS versus a 900 OPS. You're going to go with the 900 side of things just because uh, your, your lefty doesn't look good. I mean, you can frame that any way you want, and uh, it's going to be results-oriented. That's how people are going to remember that moment, good, bad, or ugly. And uh, in that case, it didn't work out. But, hey, remember what happened at the end. The Cardinals, uh, they won the game. So that's pretty cool. Uh, almost to 40 likes. Going to take a sip of water because I'm kind of yelling right now. Um, but subscribe to the YouTube channel, and you too can be commenting alongside all your friends in a matter of moments. 60 seconds, actually, is all it takes. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, Max says, I've got a rules question. Oh, goody. Uh, Could Contreras have scooted to catcher and Gorman slid to DH in the ninth? Or can the DH not go from DH? I don't believe you can change it. Once the DH moves, that's it. The exception is Shohei Otani with, like, the pitcher thing. That's different. Um, but, no, if it's a position player to DH, you can't change it uh, mid-game, I believe is the correct answer on that. Before you get your pitchfork out. Yeah, I don't think you. I don't think they could have done anything like that. And also, if, he didn't, if they didn't start Contreras today, they weren't putting him in at all at catcher. Um, but you'd, you'd burn the DH if you did so. But... I thought this might be a game Contreras would start. We've talked about the fact that Wainwright calls his own pitches via pitchcom, and so maybe when they do reintroduce him, and they're going to do that, they're going to have him back there at some point. I kind of figured when they eventually got to that point with Contreras again, it would be a Wainwright start to ease him in. Uh, clearly, today's not that day, so I don't expect Contreras to catch until the next Wainwright start, personally, uh, at, at the earliest, and it could be longer. I could be wrong about that. He could start tomorrow, for all I know. I don't expect it. I think you'll at least... I, personally, the way I am mentally treating the Contreras back to catcher uh, saga, I'm waiting for the, the next Wainwright start, and I'm not really, I'm not going to say hoping, because I don't really care what they do, but if I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm looking at it and I'm going, all right, probably not going to see it until the next Wainwright start. That's my opinion. I could be totally off base about that, but wouldn't it make sense for them to do it that way, given they could ease him back in? during an outing that Wainwright starts, and he can learn from those outings, right? He doesn't have to be the one teaching or deciding or making the, the critical choices. He can be learning throughout those outings, and so that's the way I would do it. Maybe we'll see if they do it that way, and if so, it'll be another five days before we see uh, Contreras at a minimum behind the plate. Uh, Ryan says, the mood, on the, the mood on this team seems much better. It's better on the team. I think it's better on the stream as well, but yeah, you win a game like that, the mood's going to skyrocket. Remember, like, the first week of the season, we were talking about the O'Neill stuff and how, oh, the clubhouse is all the... It's like, the reality is the clubhouse was a losing clubhouse at the time. That's why it felt the way it felt. You win games, they don't care if they aired somebody out in the media. Like, it, it won't matter for very long if you're on a winning streak. It's just the way it works, man. You win, life's good. You don't, life sucks. They won today, and they've won uh, more games recently than they had been, and so I think that is a step in the right direction for the Cardinals. Jared says that's all-star Nolan Gorman to you, and it is to me. Uh, and it was to me before uh, the beginning of the season. It was March 30th, and I said all-star Nolan Gorman. Maybe it was the 31st, whatever. But don't look at that tweet, by the way. Uh, I have to, I'm have to. i going to have to subscribe to Twitter Blue 
Uh, give Elon my $8 just long enough to go back and edit the rest of that tweet out because I think I said Arenado MVP, which, hey, tonight maybe was the, the starting back toward that trend. But I said Arenado team MVP. I said Steven Matz would be the team Cy Young, the Gibby. And holy F, that doesn't look right right now, does it? Uh, but then again, nobody's really jumped out and claimed it. And if you look over the past week to the rotation, Matt's does have the most uh, favorable start. If you look at the numbers, five and a third, one run allowed. So maybe there's still hope yet for me there. For Hagen, the uh, reliever of the year prediction I had was looking hot until it wasn't. And I, I put Mason Wynn as rookie of the year, which was kind of the uh, the surprise pick. I, I still never thought he would get up by this time, but by June, July, yeah, maybe it would probably take an injury. And so that pick will probably be wrong. But Jordan Walker's not even here. Did, maybe I'm for, I guess like Alec Burleson is technically a rookie. And so maybe he would be, but it's like he hasn't really played much lately. I don't know who the rookie of the year is. Is Zach Thompson rookie eligible? He pitched a lot last year and he's also not here right now. Anyway, all of those predictions were bunk except for the bold prediction, which was all-star season for Nolan Gorman. I still think he's going to do it. Uh, and tonight was certainly helpful to that. And listen, I get it. A lot of people are probably going to say, hey, what's the deal? What's the deal with... No, I'm not doing a Seinfeld. What's the deal with Nolan Gorman not being allowed to bat against lefties? Are they ever going to let him? Platoon, platoon, platoon. They're still doing it. They're sticking to their guns on that. There are certain guys that they, they kind of cancel that out for. They like Lars Newpar and the at-bats he takes against lefties. And he's their everyday outfielder. Every day, every day, every day, no matter what. Doesn't matter the split. Doesn't matter the situation. He's pretty much going to be in there unless he needs a day off for rest. And that's different from the way they have treated Nolan Gorman. Now, Gorman's got maybe more holes in his swing. Lefties can can take advantage of him on the mound in, in ways that maybe Newt Barr is able to work a walk or do some certain things. And so that's the way they've chosen to do it. Should there come a point in time in Nolan Gorman's career where the Cardinals are willing to extend some latitude to him against certain lefties? I think yes. I think it would be better for him long term. You know, how are you ever going to become a, you know, an all-star player if you don't play every day or at least have the opportunity to play against both-handed uh, amphibious pitchers, as they call it, right? And so I, I get it. It's a fair question. But the Cardinals are pretty much sticking to their guns on that because right now this is not about the development of a player. It's about can we win today? And that's the way they have, to a fault almost, put their lineups together this year to the extent that guys – didn't really know their roles, and they weren't comfortable, and that's why they had to send out Walker because the role, it just was not working. And so you saw the you saw what you saw with that. I don't know what's ultimately going to happen there when it comes to Gorman, but for now, they're not putting him in lefty-on-lefty matchups uh, for the most part, and uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see. A lot of people would say Donovan should be in the starting lineup against lefties more often uh, because he's kind of built from the, uh, you know, cut from that Lars Newpar cloth a little bit where he just takes good ABs, and I tend to agree with that. But, you know, they've got Paul DeYoung playing well right now. Right, He's a righty going to face a lefty. They got Yepes into the lineup tonight, which I think this was well done by Ollie Marmel. If you're going to play Yepes in left field ever, you might as well do it when left field is the size of a sandbox. And uh, the, the weird way that Fenway is cut with the green monster, that's what you get. And so I think that's fine. I think it uh, was, was fine to have Yepes in there and try and stack the lineup with righties. Uh, you, you minimize any defensive deficiencies that he might have because of the ballpark. Now, granted, your shortstop better be ready to to help out on balls careening off of the green monster, but I think they they handled it pretty well tonight. Trevor says, what a win. Three sentences. Ryan F. says, the bass clicking sure helps, though I do think the starting pitching still needs work. And you're right. It does. I mean, Wainwright started off 
decently tonight. Like I said, I really liked how the sinker was looking. I thought, dude's on to something here. Uh, the curve didn't look too sharp to me. I don't know what he may have said about it, but in the curves that I saw him throw, it didn't seem like he threw it as often tonight, but that was anecdotal. I may have may have just not, not noticed him as much. Um, but I, I didn't think the curve was quite as sharp tonight and obviously ends up getting knocked around, knocked around, knocked around. And the reason I specify around, I don't know if anybody listens to the big show on KTGR, but one of the funniest things that has ever happened on the show happened yesterday when my co-host doing the big deal off the top of the show, talking about Jordan Montgomery's outing. He said, and the Cubs, they knocked up Jordan Montgomery. And I said, what? They did what? And we absolutely lost it. So knocked around is the phrase that you're looking for there. Um, If you want to hear that clip, at KTGR Big Show on Twitter, it's one of our our recent clips that, uh, that we put out. It was hysterical. You'll hear me laughing in the background for like a full minute. I couldn't even control myself. Um and then the producer played Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on. It was it was hilarious. All right. Anyway, um, Rhino says he can hear me. Chan, the man's in the house. Craig says, big night for Nolan Goldie and Gorman at the plate, but don't sleep on Newt. Just doing the things Newt does to deserve to be in that everyday lineup. Remember back, uh, now longtime listeners of B-Shape Daily will remember this, but there's a story. It goes this way. In 2022, I was driving either to or from spring training. I think I was on the way down there. And I was trying to get into the B-Shape Daily Groove after a long winter hiatus. I really wasn't doing off-season episodes back then. Now I'm on the grind. I'm going to do year-round. You'll be, you'll be hearing my voice. If you want to talk Cardinals, I'll be here. Um, but the way it went was that I'm like, I'm going to record a podcast in the car. You know, just set my phone on the dash and just start talking into it. And boom, it'll be good to go. Because Twitter was losing its mind about Lars Newpar. These rumors that the Cardinals... Where you know they're going to obviously trade Lars Newtbar to uh, to get Frankie Montas because they signed Corey Dickerson. Like there's just that's obviously what's going to happen here. And I don't know if there was ever any smoke to that. I didn't ever think it was likely, but I was back then. I became the Lars Newtbar stand, and I'm like, guys, I'm telling you, you don't want to make this trade. And and I didn't know about Montas being injured at the time, but I was just so convicted that L- Lars Newtbar was going to be a dude that I was like, I don't care what his like quote unquote prospect pedigree is. What, what do we do as baseball fans? We go on to baseball, you know, uh, perspective, perspectives, or we go on to the MLB pipeline, and we're looking at the rankings and going, well, this team could give their eight, 18th best prospect, and that's equivalent to, it's all, you know, you don't know really what teams want or what they don't want. I don't care what Lars Newpar was considered at the time. I was like, don't trade Lars Newpar. Just trust me. And now I feel very vindicated, and he's going. He's only going to continue to get better. Like he had the double tonight down the left field line. That's the uh, the the profile picture of this stream. Uh, just kind of snapped a photo of my TV because I thought it was funny. I don't even know why I made it made it that. It's because I'm dumb. But yes, Lars Newtbar. I mean, he's a good athletic outfielder. He's got a good arm. He was showing off that arm a, a couple of times, trying to throw guys out at third base, made sure they didn't continue even beyond second. Kind of heard the footsteps sort of deal. So good outfielder. I think he's got pretty good range, pretty good instincts. Like, not overwhelmingly so when you get him into center field, but good enough. Um, but in right field, he's really a plus uh, plus defender. And tonight he goes two for three, couple of ribs, uh, reaches base via walk. So he's on base three times. He scores a run. Lars Newtbar is also going to be an all-star. I'm just going to tell you now. Which, first of all, if, the, if like, the fan vote has anything to do with it, I don't know if he'll, if he'll get the contingent from Japan that will vote for him. Like, I wonder, because, you know, there's a lot of people that he became an international uh, hero. You know, everybody in Japan loves Lars Newtbar now. I don't know if that could influence the voting at all. I don't know how that works. But his numbers are maybe going to 
dictated anyway, especially if the power can get going a little bit. 302 batting average, a 444 on base. The dude is nearly getting on base at a 50% clip. That is insane. The OPS is only 886. I say only because the the slug is still a little lower than the on base. But Lars Newpar, guys, he is him. I'm telling you, he's going to have a really good year. Five stolen bases. So I'm looking at that going, all right, only three home runs this year. Keep in mind, he was out the first couple of weeks after he had the, uh, the, the, the issue with his thumb on opening day, sliding into third. Told me he's going to wear the oven mitt moving forward. I assume that's still the plan. I haven't really noticed, honestly, if he's wearing it or not. But he said he, he told me he would. But nevertheless, you can kind of parse this out a little bit. We're about a, almost a fourth of the way through the season already. I know it's kind of crazy to think about, but it's getting there closer and closer by the day. But multiply his homers by three or four or five, and you get to maybe 12 to 15 home runs. The RBI is only you know 50 or 60 or whatever. But again, I think it's because he missed a couple of weeks. I figure this guy could be knocking on the door 15 to 20 home runs, maybe 20 stolen bases. It's not going to be the most flashy necessarily. He'll probably score more runs than he drives in potentially, especially when he bats lead off as often as he does. Uh, but even against lefties in the lineup today, he's down in the order. Doesn't matter. He's still making an impact. But I look at Lars Newpar. I'm like, if this guy hits 280, 290 on base of 400, and he's going to OPS 850 or so, like with his defense, I don't know if it's an all-star, but it's a five wins above replacement kind of player, I think, over the course of a full season. Lars Newpar is not the guy you wanted to trade. It's not the guy the Cardinals wanted to trade either. Give credit when credit is due. Everybody wanted to trade from the outfield glut for a starting pitcher in the offseason, and I get why. Maybe the infield glut. Get a starting pitcher. Guess what? If they had done that, who did people want? It had to be Lars Newpar. Everybody everybody can now see why. Cardinals were like, nah, we're good on trading him. We're not trading Brendan Donovan. You know, it's just the folks that the Cardinals could have conceivably gotten value for are the people that they wanted to be in their everyday lineup. And so that's why, even though I do agree, like Mo needed to have found some maneuverable ways to make a trade in the offseason, you know, whether it was for a catcher, obviously they went the Wilson route, and we'll see the fallout of that as time goes, or for a pitcher, right? That would have been nice. Get a starting pitcher, somebody they could rely upon. It would have cost them players they didn't want to trade. And so rock in a hard place, I get it. I get that the results have been bad, but I will say, you want to trade Lars Newpar for somebody? I don't even care who you say you're getting. The answer should probably be no, given he's team-controlled for years to come. That's a guy, that is a that is an early extension candidate if I've ever seen one as well, uh, because I, he, I just think he's a heck of a player. Uh, Tim asks, honest thoughts on what pitchers Cardinals could realistically go after in a trade. I don't have any. I do not have any realistic ones, because first of all, they're 14-25. and 25. I've never seen a team 11 games below 500 be a, a buyer at the deadline, ever. Now, could they start to work their way back into the conversation? Yes, I still predict they're going to win the division. Crazy, I know. But I just think the division sucks, and they don't. I don't think the Cardinals are a bad team, and I think pretty much every other team in the division is is either bad or mediocre or like the Brewers slightly above, provided their pitching health it, it holds on. And then they could be a little bit of a factor. But otherwise, I still see the Cardinals as the team to beat. So that being said, I think they have to win a lot more games before we can talk about them trading for a pitcher that's like a like a Lance Lynn, right? His, his ERA is bad, so I don't even know if you should want him. Uh, but you know what Lance Lynn brings to the table. Change of scenery, maybe it'd be good for him. Familiarity with St. Louis. Does he even want to come to St. Louis? I don't know if he has a no trade. All of those things are factors. Um, now, other guys with the White Sox, like Dylan Cease, would be that trade that you could make for not just this year. And so they can make that trade at any time because 
if they decide they want to go after and maybe sign him to an extension or have him for a couple more years, that'd be something you could do. But we're right back into the boat on the same names we just talked about, them not wanting to trade. Lars Newbar, you know, they're going to want the good players or the good prospects, the Mason Wentz. So uh, that's tricky. And what do you do exactly? Right now, which Cardinal starter would you replace in the rotation if you if you acquired somebody via trade? I don't have the right answer. Like, Flaherty's got the worst ERA, I think, but they're I don't think they're looking to replace Jack Flaherty. Uh, Wainwright's actually probably got the worst ERA, but he's pitched only twice, so I'm not going to really count that yet. Um, Steven Matz, again, last time through, he was their best starter. Might not might not maintain that way, but it's what he was the last time. We'll see what he does tomorrow. Uh, Michaelis, you've signed for two more years, so I don't think, you know, they're not replacing. You know what I'm saying? Jordan Montgomery, he's he's been their best starter, uh, despite what happened in his last start. So it's tricky. The starting thing is tricky. I don't have an easy answer for who they want to go after, but Dylan Cease would be the name that you can circle and to say, if they want to really spend up in terms of the acquisition cost, and it will cost a lot, if he should become available, though, and the White Sox say, yeah, we'll sell him, the Cardinals do have, I think, the pieces to make a deal like that happen, but they're going to be reluctant to pay the price. That's kind of the way I look at it. Uh, Caleb says, throwing Gorman a 3-2 slider in a clutch situation is such a bad idea, and I love that they did it. Yep, don't give him anything to hit that you might be able to hang. Probably make him beat your fastball unless you're sure you can you can get him to chase, which you can never be sure of. Guys, you know, got some discipline regardless. And so, uh, yeah, yep, not the location he wanted for that pitch, if I'm guessing. Uh, go ahead and give me a subscription. Subscription. I sounded, uh, blah, blah, blah. I sounded weird on that one. Sub to the YouTube, and uh, let's get the likes up to 50 by the end of this show. Maybe we can do it. Bird Calls says, great win. Arnado getting things going. Huge. Four for five several balls hit over 100 miles per hour exit velo. Uh, he was on top of it. Still need better pitching if we're going to keep winning consistently. Bird calls you right. The Cardinals need better pitching. They need more from their starters. They need more innings from their starters. There will be an innings crisis that will uh, develop. Can't use my words tonight. If they can't figure out a way to get deeper into games because the bullpen won't be able to carry the load all season, you know, uh, it feels okay today because you came off of a game where, or a day where the Cardinals didn't play. So you got everybody a little bit of rest. Got Palante back in there. Got Cabrera, Helsley, right? Cabrera and Helsley are two of their go-to guys. Now, what does that mean? Tomorrow you need Mats to go six or seven because you're only going to get to use, you know, Hicks, Gallegos, and we'll see about Cabrera on a back-to-back. I, I, I would imagine they wouldn't go back-to-back with Helsley, Knowing they've got a stretch coming up where they're gonna they're gonna need him available as much as possible, so you'd, you'd like to think that Geo will step in tomorrow in a in a save situation or a leverage situation. But again, wouldn't it just be nice to have one of those days where starter goes seven and a third, and you use like one or maybe two guys off the sheet? That's what the Cardinals need, and they just haven't they haven't gotten outings like that. Plain and simple, their rotation hasn't been there to do that for them. And uh, it's only May right now, so you don't fully notice the impact of that, but you will as time goes on. It's inevitable that you'll notice it because the relievers will just kind of lose a little bit of luster and will be shocked to our very core in August or, or late July when, you know, whoever it is, Helsley, Gallegos, whatever, just starts giving up bombs. We're like, what's going on? Well, he's he, the, the well has been tapped a few too many times and they don't have it left. The Cardinals don't want to get into that situation, so the, it, it is up to the starting pitching. There, we cannot say it enough times um, because it is absolutely true. 
Max says, Tim, if we're even close to competing in July, we better be throwing money at Detroit for Erod. Yeah, Erod would be a guy uh, to look at. I don't know his contract situation offhand, but uh, he's been really good for them to start the season from what I've seen. Uh, Chan the Man, upcoming series against the Brewers should be a nice test to see if these new wins are by accident or if they're for real. It's going to come up to the pitching, though, Chan. Like, you can win games without great starting pitching for a little bit. They've won four of five. They have gotten one good start in those five, and the other four were either mediocre or uh, ineffective in one way or another. Like, Michaelis only gave up one run, didn't even get through five innings, was not efficient. That's not sustainable for a long season of success. And so I get it. Like, you could look and say, well, the starters, nobody gave up more than uh, what? Well, I guess Montgomery did. What did he give up? Six runs? They knocked him up, around, up, around. They knocked him around. Other than that, though, you kind of were in all of the other games, and it was just the case that, uh, you know, they weren't able to 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 get it done with uh, getting deep into games. Five innings, four and a third innings, things like that. Not acceptable lengths for the starters to go. But it's not anything new. It's not like we haven't been saying this the entire season. And so I guess we shouldn't be surprised at it by this point. But at the same time, the Contreras thing was, I thought, because he was having trouble and so they were going to make a switch. And then, like, I don't know. It's not Contreras out there anymore, so who do you blame? I think at some point you got to acknowledge that the pitching is is subpar. Um, I still think it could turn around to be better than it's been, but I don't know if it's going to be elite. I don't know if you're going to unless you have some sort of major revelation that this rotation turns into a top 10 or even top half of, of the league rotation at this point. Uh, Max says Bucky's represent absolutely lutely. Got to love some Bucky's laborer. 88 says the good news is eight runs scored. Bad news is give up six. Yeah. And what have I said on the stream? And some people don't like to hear it. I'm like this Cardinals team has to basically score five or six or more runs a day to win to like really feel like they've got a good chance because that is the precedent the pitching has set for them. And I've gotten comments back and those folks have said, but it's not sustainable. You can't you can't expect your offense to get you five or six a day. Then nobody really does that over the course of a season, averages six runs a game. And I'm like, I know, that's a problem. But that's the way this team is built right now until the starters take on a little bit more of that load and take responsibility for their performance in a way that fixes it, right? It's great. You can say, oh, we got to be better. And you're right, but until you do it... Um, these are the kinds of games that the Cardinals are going to have to win. And this is the first time they've really won this way in emphatic fashion. And it's like, they're probably not going to do that every night. So you have to expect uh, something to change in terms of the pitching in order to uh, win more games, which is, you know, they're still 11 games below 500 long way to go, but they're, they're taking steps in the right direction, which is at least something. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, by the way, if you'd like to be able to comment on the right side, you can do so after one minute. You subscribe one minute later, uh, YouTube will let you comment. So appreciate that. And we're so close to 50 likes. So can we get there? We shall find out. Alex says uh, you lose the DH position. Yep, that is correct. We, we did cover that. Laborer 88 adds that uh, Wainwright is in Michaelis Flaherty territory with his early performance. Yeah, that's interesting. It's tough to evaluate because he looked really good for four innings in the first start that he had. And then today I thought he looked good for the first three innings. And then even uh, even in the fourth inning, I didn't think he looked terrible. Like I said, a couple of bad breaks, but a couple of hard-hit balls too. And so you take note of that. But if he bounces back from that one bad inning and then and then shoves for the fifth and the sixth and you go six innings, two runs, you're like, sweet. That's great. That's what Wayno does. But he didn't. He gave up back-to-back home runs in the fifth to the eighth and I believe the eighth and ninth hitter in the Red Sox lineup. So, like, yeah, 
That's not what you want to see from Wainwright. I don't know. I mean, he's had times like this before where he struggles for a few games and then he locks it back in. Cardinals need to hope he can still lock it back in. But don't expect Adam Wainwright to be the savior. Like, I'm not I'm not discounting him. I'm not counting him out. Careful with that. We know he doesn't like that. But what I would say is, do I do I mentally count him as the ace, the number one? No. I'm, I'm trying to be more realistic in my expectations of, I think he can be really solid. I think he can be the guy that can consistently give them six or seven innings of, you know, three runs allowed, maybe two. The better outings will be even better than that, but that's true of any anybody that has a good outing. But I think what you expect is innings. And the fact that he hasn't given you that so far, that's something to be at least mildly paying attention to. I don't know if you're going to say you're concerned. You probably are. I've seen this show enough times to know that that I'm going to give it a little longer before I say I'm concerned about Wainwright. Um because I actually saw some encouraging things tonight until those back-to-back homers. If you take those out of it, which, again, you can't do. It's it's the whole defining part of his outing, so I get that part. But if you if you are able to look around that at the way he looked tonight, just to the eye test, I thought he looked pretty good, and then it kind of fell apart on him. And uh, I'm sure he's evaluating the reasons for that and what happened there on those pitches. Like I said, haven't heard his post-game comments, but I'm sure I'll get a chance uh, to look at him after this is uh, over with. Childish says the game reminds me of the Jansen meltdown against the Cardinals as a brave last year. Also, it's amazing to me that Gorman hit a nuke off him in the first appearance against him. God, they needed that. Yeah, I mean, that's not exactly a, a an easy guy to face if you haven't haven't had some familiarity with Kenley Jansen. But uh Nolan Gorman is he's made strides at the plate. Like Ali Marmel told us all spring that it was true. And I don't know how much we really bought into it until we still got to see it translate into the season, but he has translated it. And uh, part of it, you might say, well, they're not playing him against lefties. Why? His numbers are so good. They should play him all the time. The other side of that coin is, well, maybe his numbers are so good because they have been able to largely protect him against lefties to where he's not in those at-bats that would otherwise be unproductive for him. So I get it. It's a chicken or the egg kind of conversation, but his numbers are really good and he's helping this team win games. And I like, too, that if they're not going to play him against lefties, at least when they do put him in, which, again, today was a pinch hit situation, and so he got into the game late. And uh, I was thinking, and people were asking, why not Gorman there in, like, was it the sixth or seventh when DeYoung had the bases loaded? I guess I can look this up because the Cardinals did score in the inning. It was the sixth inning when it happened, and the Cardinals were trying to get back into it after the Red Sox had taken the lead uh, for uh, the first time there. And DeYoung batted with the bases loaded, nobody out. They were nuking this relief pitcher that came in, and it was a right-on-right situation to where you thought, hey, if you were going to go like Ollie did last year, remember, I think it was against the Reds or the Pirates, and it was Albert Pujols off the bench, bases loaded, like early, it's like the fourth inning, and he hit a grand slam, and it was like a 10-run lead, and from there it was over. That was like the knockout punch. I thought, bases loaded, nobody out. They might need that knockout punch right now. Uh, and in Fenway, you can't ever assume a game is over. Obviously, that ballpark just invites some, some chaos late in the innings, and so the choice that was made there was to make no choice at all. Stick with Paul DeYoung even though it was a right-on-right matchup against Winkowski, uh, and then he grounds into the double play. They score a run on the double play, and then Newt Barr ends up, uh, I think that was when he sliced his double in to, to score the next run. Uh, and if it wasn't, I don't care. They scored the run is the, is, the, is the bottom line on that. And so I thought maybe Gorman would have been an idea there. Somebody mentioned it to me on Twitter, and I said, ah, maybe too early would be the only thing I could say. Um, but a, a big swing there would definitely change the game for the better if you're the Cardinals. Instead, it was a double play, 
only scoring one run, and they leave the sixth inning up five to four instead of maybe it could have been seven to four, eight to four, who knows? Um, had DeYoung not grounded into that uh, double play. But they ended up with Gorman available late. And so, again, I don't know if you say credit because it may have gone, it may, the Cardinals may have won either way. Gorman may have hit a grand slam in the sixth. We have no idea. But credit for Ollie to have him available there, use him in a good spot. And uh, obviously it worked out, you know, taking a tough AB against Kenley Jansen. It doesn't get much tougher than that, even though it's not a, uh, you know, a left on left at bat. Gorman was ready, worked a deep count and, and sent it into the night. That was, that was a big time swing, man. Cardinals needed it. It was well-timed. Uh, and they get that win uh, with Gorman helping out. But the other thing I was going to say is when he does bat in the lineup against a, a righty starter, I like that he's up in the lineup. He's batting third. So you're maximizing the at-bats that he does get uh, on the days that he does play, which I think has been uh, effective. Trevor says, Nolan squared season incoming. Yeah, both Nolans uh, really helping out tonight. And Goldie was was looking good as well. I believe the first couple turns through the uh, batting order, Paxton had given up just four hits, and both of all four of them were to Goldie and Arenado. Goldschmidt ends up going three for five with a run scored. Uh, every starter except Yepes had a hit. No, no hit for DeYoung or Kisner either. But uh, DeYoung did get on base via walk. So, and, and the walk was huge, by the way. I was thinking maybe there was uh, an opportunity for Gorman that next time that DeYoung came up. But he works that leadoff walk against Kenley. Steals second base with ease. Kenley, I don't think, is very quick to the plate. Um, the, the infielder tried to do a little maneuver to keep DeYoung off the bag. But the throw wasn't even, like, close enough to, to make that be a factor. So DeYoung was in there. And then, you know, play a little small ball. Whatever you got to do. How many times have I said the aggression could just be so much better, I felt, from the Cardinals in terms of base running? It, the rules benefit you. The Cardinals are known for the Cardinal way, which to me is aggressiveness in the field and on the bases. Uh, aggressiveness with effectiveness, though. And maybe the Cardinals just haven't really felt confident in their ability to be effective taking the extra base. But I, I think if you're going to see the Cardinals dial it in and win the Central, it's going to come from a lot more aggressiveness on the bases where it's just the the vibe is right and they're making those chances count, right? They're not doing it when it, it could turn into a huge toot bland and screws you out of a big inning, but they're doing it when it's effective and they take advantage and they they make it more often than they don't. In that spot, uh, just I love the guts from it because if you're the Cardinals for a while, especially in that ballpark, if the ball is hit to the left side, you're going to need three singles, maybe four to score a guy. And so to get the young right into second base, man, and, and then score, it, it was a hit to left center. Uh, and, and to be able to score from second, like that, that is exactly what they needed in that moment. And then, of course, Gorman to be able to to put them on top for good uh, was huge there. But I, you just like those at-bats are taken in those spots. And I think that's a sign of Paul DeYoung. I didn't get to, to snipe back at the guy on Twitter that said DFA to DeYoung to me after the double play ball. I'm like, have you seen his numbers? And he's like, well... Just check back with me. I'll bookmark this tweet. I'm like, you can't say I'm going to bookmark a tweet if I didn't make a prediction. I said he's been good. Have you seen the numbers he's had? I wasn't talking about the numbers he's going to have, although I do know that somebody told me if he has a 750 OPS and 400 plate appearances, they're going to Venmo me $1,000. So I hope he continues to do well and to, to play every day. Obviously, I got to get the PAs as well uh, to win that. I would, I'd call it a bet, but the guy, he just told me he'd pay me. So I didn't bet anything. I don't lose anything. Those are my favorite kinds of bets. The I win or I just nothing happens kind of bet. Uh, 49 likes, surely of the 60 people in here right now, somebody hasn't liked the stream yet. So get that to 50. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. 
Uh, I'm going to give a quick shout out to the Patreon as well. That you do have to pay for. The link is in the description of the video. I did, though, today record a bonus podcast, and I will be doing a lot more of those uh, the more we get Patreon going. And uh, that's like five bucks a month, so it's not crazy. But if you want to support the content we do here, you're like, yeah, I like this stuff. I want it to continue. And not that I'm going to stop doing the free stuff, but, um, you know, trying to make a little living here. So uh, that's something else you could do if you're interested in bonus podcasts. Like, I got to give you something to, to earn your to earn your dollar. I get that. But hopefully people enjoy the, the bonus podcast. Uh, I, I talked for like 25 minutes today on a bonus pod about the, it's all Cardinal stuff. So uh, check that out in the description if you're interested. And uh, we'll head right back into the comments here. Uh, Wainwright's 2023, 10 innings, 15 hits allowed, 8 runs allowed. Yeah, Labor 88, you're right about that. It's been a little bit of a struggle uh, for Wainwright, but the sample size is still small. I would say just take a breath from now on Wainwright. Um, But like I said, you can adjust expectations. You can adjust and say, I don't know that he's going to be an ace. I might just look for 6 innings and 3 runs as my baseline, and if I get it from him, that's enough. Now, I would raise the bar on Wayno a little bit more than that. He doesn't want you to count him out. He wants to be considered that stopper. He's not, He like he told John Denton last week, a lot of people made a thing about how he didn't like the question on Saturday last week that he got uh, about, you used to take pride in being the stopper. He says, I, it's present day. I take pride in it. Don't put me in the grave yet. Um, my, my thing would be Cardinals fans are frustrated with what they're seeing from the rotation, rightfully so. If there's one guy that you're going to go, you know what? I'll 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 put you in the grave when you're dead, Wayne. Right? Until then, you do, I'm gonna I'm gonna believe. Like, have blind faith in it. If you're gonna do it in anyone, have blind faith in Adam Wayne. Right? Because the dude has given it to Cardinals fans, uh, everything he's had for a long time. Uh, first year was 06, right? I believe he might have gotten a, a cup in 05. I can't remember. But regardless, that's a long time ago. I mean, I was I was in like sixth grade then. I'm uh further out of college now than I prefer to even think about in terms of how long it's been. But that's Adam Wainwright. He's been there the whole time. If there's one guy that you're going to go, you know what? The numbers might tell me one thing, but this is the last ride. Like y'all got to enjoy the last ride last year for Albert Pujols. Nothing like that's ever going to happen again. That was truly special. And I hope you took the time to enjoy it when it happened. Yachty was in his last year and that didn't, again, it didn't go the way Albert's did. He had injuries. He had his body's breaking down. That's the reality of it. When you get a little older, Uh, But you still got to enjoy the last ride of of Yachty and the fact that both those guys had a base hit in their last at-bat ever in the playoffs. That's chill stuff, man. Like, those guys are special. Adam Wainwright is special. I would say whatever you think, whatever you're inclined to believe, I would just go ahead and say, nah, I'm going to pretend like I do believe, even if you don't believe, and, like, give Adam Wainwright your your due and your attention every fifth day. Um, That might sound like a Homer-ass take, and that's fine. But I just... There are very few guys that I would say something like that about. I just think Adam Wainwright, he's given you what he's got. And, man, you're not going to get to watch that too many more times. So I would I would not treat him like any other player. And maybe maybe he wouldn't ask for that. He would say, no, no, hold me to a standard. Like, that's what I need. But also, I'm like, going, in, going into an outing, pretend like you believe in what Adam Wainwright's about to do because he, he very well just might do it for you um, because that's what he's done throughout his whole career. So that's my little soapbox about Wainwright, but we'll see. And as I read that, the next comment from Asher was, yeah, Wayno is washed up. Dead Army needs to go. Asher, uh, just rewind the stream like two minutes ago and then listen to everything I said over again. Uh, if you don't agree, I don't care what you think because I've I've said my piece. So there you go. That was a little mean. Sorry, Asher. Uh, starting pitching has to perform better, and the laborer is correct about that. 
Uh, Trevor was messaging me about this during the game. He was very upset about the strike zone from the umpire, and it was horrendous. Uh, the high curveball strike three that he didn't get, that Wainwright didn't get before the, uh, the, the those two runs scored in that, I think it was, the, I want to say, the fourth inning is when that call happened. Um, I think it was a strike, but it's one of those where it's a looping curveball, and it may look right on the Fox tracks or whatever they call it on Bally. Um, it may look like it's in the box. I could have seen the argument made that, well, it loops right in over, and then it kind of lands there in the catcher's glove. I thought it was a strike. I was surprised they didn't call it. Um, but, you know, that's just one of those deals. We've seen that, though. This is nothing new. Uh, umpire strike zones have been a problem all year in baseball. Connor says, it concerns me the Cardinals have multiple guys uh, in high leverage spots like Palante and Cabby who have literally been demoted to AAA at some point this year. Talk me off the ledge with that. Well, that's good. Connor, the one thing I would say is there's something specific to those two guys in particular that uh, they're the same, basically, and it's that they're both left-handed. And I know what you're about to say. You're going to give me this BS about how Andre Palante throws baseballs with his right hand, not his left. I know, but he's a lefty for the Cardinals. The way they use him is as a lefty because he's always had reverse splits. And he kind of, they talked about on the TV broadcast a little bit why that is. And Edmonds was kind of getting into the repertoire and how he's kind of, he he has like a a stance that comes across and it makes it a little more difficult on lefties. The the ball gets on you. Uh, He's had success against lefties, so the Cardinals use him that way. And intentionally, Boston stacked their entire lineup with lefties tonight against Wainwright. And so the reason the leverage spots in those middle innings, you know, whoever, lefty, righty, doesn't matter. You're going to get Helsley in the ninth, for instance, if he's available on a given day to close a game and it's a save situation, you're going to get Helsley. Otherwise, you're going to get Geo. Like, that's the way it works for the ninth inning. But in those sixth inning, those seventh inning, that that area, it's going to generally be handedness dependent. Uh, and in the case of a lot of lefties, you're going to get a lot of Cabby, a lot of Palante. In the case of righties, you're going to get more Jordan Hicks, and I would have said Verhagen, but he's kind of fallen out of favor uh, with regard to that. And so I don't really know who your other righties, you know, Geo, if it's late enough in the game, and then you can bridge to Helsley that way. Uh, but that's kind of the thing, Connor. And they, they use the Memphis shuttle to their effect because, A, the starters have gone not very deep into games, as we've talked about. It's, it's created strain on the bullpen. And the, the the shuttle has to churn even more because of that, because they've got to always make sure they've got fresh innings. And it sometimes is to the detriment of the team. When Palante went down, I didn't think he should have been down for as long as he was, but they had to leave him down for X amount of days. I think it's 15. And the reason they had to send him down in the first place was because at that moment in time, they needed the innings. You know, he was still a major league caliber pitcher for them. They still thought he was going to be a, a part of their future this season. But at the time, he had just given up that grand slam and they're like, we got to have somebody go down so we can get a fresh arm. And he was the unlucky recipient of that, that little trip to Memphis. So he got some barbecue in him. He's come back. I don't think you should read too much into them being demoted and then being relied upon later on. Um, Cabrera, I think looked like it took him a little bit to get his season going. And I think it was a bad, I'll go ahead and say, and maybe this is wrong of me to say, but it was probably the wrong decision for Henesis Cabrera specifically to go to the world baseball classic just because I, I, he was a guy, whether he knew it or not, that was fighting for a roster spot to begin the season, and he, he lost that fight. Um, but then they called him up, and he's looked really good since. But maybe he could have had the whole season that way had he not gone. Um, but that might be wrong. I'm Again, I might be speaking out of turn on that. So, But that's kind of where I'm at on it, Connor. Like I understand the concern. I think it's fair. Um, but it doesn't concern me all that much when you break it down and see the reason why uh, it kind of happened the way it did, particularly today with the way they uh, they stacked it with the lefties against Adam. 
Uh, more Wainwright slander from Asher that I'm not going to read. Uh, poor Maple Leafs from Alex. Scott, love the game, but can you help me understand how Gorman reached base 13 of 24 and is toting a three or a 431 OBP for the season is in the A spot? Well, Scott, he didn't start the game. He was pinch hitter. Yep, Bird calls you nailed it. He was pinch hitter. And the reason he didn't play, we've been over lefty-lefty. They don't trust him uh, or they, they feel like they have better options against lefties. And that's the other thing. It's kind of like with other guys we've talked about. When they go to other organizations, like a Patrick Wisdom gets to go, you know, fail for a while with a team that has no prospects on winning, so it doesn't really matter what he does, and he gets better because of it. He gets a chance to fail. Gorman has not had a chance to to try and fail against lefties because the Cardinals have other guys that they think can take those at-bats more effectively, and they're trying to win every game that they can right now, um, and they always have. I mean, as for as long as I've been alive, the Cardinals have been a team that's contending pretty much every year, and so they don't have time for a, a project to say, Let's give Gorman 600 ABs and see what happens. And By the end of it, maybe he'll learn to hit lefties, but they don't have the luxury of doing it right now. That does stunt development. You can't deny that that there's a you know the 10,000 hours rule, right? You got to do something for 10,000 hours in your life, and then you can be kind of considered an expert in it. He's not spending those hours facing left-handed batters in major league games because his team needs other guys to be doing that because at present, they're more effective in accomplishing it is the belief of the team. And so... That's why he doesn't start against lefties. We'll see long-term what the ramifications of that are, but that may be one that we don't get to really know until two, three, four, five years down the road when we see what Gorman's you know output is or his opportunities are against lefties. Edmund with a big righty-righty hit, but Gorman can't bat versus lefties still. Yeah, I mean, Edmund has, Edmund has been able to have some success, though, and Gorman in fairness, last year is the last sample we really have of him doing it much, and he didn't do that well. Uh, Joel says, uh, welcome in, Joel. Glad to, glad to see you here, my man. It's the first game in memory where Marmol pushed the right buttons at the right time. I would actually disagree with that pretty strongly. Monday, he pushed the right buttons at the right time, and Tuesday as well, in my opinion. Those first two games against the Cubs, I mean, I have no idea uh, what else he was supposed to do on Monday in particular, but bring the relievers that he brought in. I think that was Cabby Hicks Helsley, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he had some good buttons to push that day, but more today with the pinch hitting, he was on top of it. Uh, I don't know if he's calling for Paul DeYoung to steal second base in that spot, but that was a big spot in the game for the Cardinals. Uh, I agree with you, Joel. He pushed the right ones today. I think we should give him a little more credit. There have been other days uh, where he's done it as well. But it's a great point. The point is well taken that he did push them uh, proper tonight. And I could even make the case that he almost, like there were some that were questionable going to, to or not going to Helsley to face Devers was notable to me. I get why he did it. It's not hard to figure out. Cabrera is a lefty, way better splits against Devers than a right-hander Helsley would have. But at the same time, Cabrera looked like he was running out of steam, and you could have maybe tried to cut that off at the pass. He didn't. It played out the way that it did, and it worked out for the Cardinals in that they won the game. But I could have seen that be, have been a, a scrutinized decision uh, and then the notion of maybe you go to, to Gorman earlier against DeYoung could have done that, or, or rather than, not against DeYoung, but rather than DeYoung in the sixth inning with the bases loaded, nobody out when he double played. But you wait, you save him, and you end up using him in a spot where he, he wins the game for you, essentially. So, yeah, Ollie did a great job tonight. Uh, number 5712 says the Detroit game was the big one. Uh, I don't know what the big one was, but it was it was a big win. I mean, 12-6. Uh, to get that win was it started things off, but I noticed the starting pitching has not been good since. You know, like I haven't seen one good start. 
I would argue that Flaherty's wasn't good. Michaelis's was not a long enough start to be considered good. And uh, certainly Montgomery and Wayno, uh, I wouldn't say those were necessarily good either. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Allison says, I know I'm late, but like, retweeted, and shared. And uh, I know I probably missed this, but why didn't Wilson catch Wainwright tonight? I didn't answer it because I don't know the reason. Maybe Ollie answered it. I talked about it. I just said I was a little surprised. But what it says to me is the Cardinals still have uh, more time that they that they are waiting to kind of allow things to play out behind the scenes with whatever it is that Wilson is working on. Uh, John Denton tweeted before the game. I saw the quote, and I, I did retweet. I quote tweeted it and uh, basically said the Cardinals are wearing it right now. They know that it sounds ridiculous what they're saying about Contreras. All he has said, I know how it sounds, but I'm going to wear it because we've got things that we don't want to make public. Um, and, and I said, the Cardinals know the way they're talking about Contreras is laughable, but I just want to reiterate that it is laughable. Um, they've said they're willing to wear it with how ridiculous it sounds, so I'm going to let him wear it by continuing to bring it up. And just, you know, my tweet doesn't matter. Ollie doesn't read the tweet, it, nor should he. But it's like, I want to keep talking about it just to make sure that we are, like, that's not something that I want to just bury because I think it's doing the Cardinals um, – almost a disservice to uh, allow them to get away with it, right? Like, it's dumb. Everything that we've heard about Wilson, it makes no sense. There may come a day where they go, okay, we can finally come clean. Here's what happened because they can talk about it in the past tense. But while they're in the middle of it, they clearly don't want to get into details about it. I think the reason for that is if they were to do so, they believe it would become even more of an S-storm nationally and they would they would take more shrapnel in the media and they don't want to do that. So they're just going to keep all the things in-house that they can but all he said this afternoon per John Denton, he's made some progress and that's exactly where I'm going to keep it. I'm not going to point toward exactly what we're working on, what areas we're working on or what progress and what's not making progress and how close we're getting, which is to say we've said nothing so far, very vague or putting a timetable on it or making progress. And it's in the areas we need. Our progression is exactly where we need it to be at the moment. It is like Michael Scott on the office is how it sounds. Um, but Ali Marmel is a, is a much smarter man than that, than that character, uh, was portrayed as on the show. I think I think Ollie's a really smart dude. I think he knows he sounds ridiculous right now, and that's why he's self-referential about it. And it's almost like I wasn't there, but it's almost like he's probably practically grinning because he knows how dumb it sounds. That's the that is intentional by the Cardinals. If you read that and you say this doesn't this is gobbledygook. It's not any, it doesn't make any sense. You're right. They're doing it on purpose. Um it's annoying uh as a fan you'd want to say I want to hear John Mozeliak get up on the highest, you know, mountain in the in the town and shout it and tell me what's going on here and why they're doing it he's not going to it's clear uh it's like the nick saban quote on the field where he goes i'm not going to so quit asking that's what i feel like this is about everybody wanting to know with the cardinals what they're doing with Contreras and in, in more details the the reporters aren't going to quit asking in this case but they're not going to give any information until they're ready which may that, that time may be never Two weeks down the road, we might see Wilson Contreras starting for the Cardinals at catcher, and then he just might be the regular catcher again, and we may never find out the full scope of it. I think we will. I think they'll be more comfortable. It'll leak out. You'll, they'll kind of loosen the the reins a little bit months down the road or maybe in the offseason after we can kind of 
sit back and know how the season unfolds. That's speculation on my part. I have no idea what they're going to divulge. But right now they're doing it on purpose, Allison. And uh, I think the reason, you know, that that was, I'm sure that was the response to the very question you just asked. Why no Wilson tonight? And the answer was, he's making a lot of progress. It's the good progress. It's the exact kind of progress that we want him to be progressing on the progress for. Uh, the progress is great. And we love how progress it is. And Progress Park in Wentzville is a place I've played basketball. Like that, it makes no sense. They're not ready to have him start is basically the bottom line. Um, and they won't really tell us any more than that. But I do think Allison, and I said this earlier, when they have him start, I bet it will be a Wainwright start just because they can ease him in that way. He won't have to call pitches for the first time back if they do it that way. So maybe five days from now, I'd be surprised if it weren't 10 days from now or sooner. Like if two starts from now, he's still not starting. We're, that would be crazy to me, but we'll see. We will see. Uh, Ryan says, Brendan, do the pitching coaches use iPads during game? I think so. They do whatever they're legally allowed to do. Um, I, I, I don't think they can do like anything live or whatever, but I think they can, they can rewatch stuff that's happened, I believe is what is what they can do. Um, but I'm not hundred percent on that, Ryan. I think that's right though. Uh, grave of Einstein. No Twitter, not Twitter. What are we on? YouTube did it to me again. Skipping me down the, uh, the chat, making my way downtown in the chat. Okay. The Grave of Einstein, the most emotion I've seen Ollie's show in a game yet. The Oliver Marmel fluoride stare got broken several times. It was impressive. Yeah, I mean, but you can understand why Ollie's kind of been very stoic recently, right? Like, things have not been going their way, and he's just, like, trying to will something into existence. So, I like seeing that side of Ollie, too. He's not He's not this always this stone-faced guy that, you know, Cardinals fans have seen for weeks because the Cardinals aren't usually losing eight out of 10 or 11 out of 14 or whatever it was. He'll be fine. They'll be fine. Things got bad, but at least we're, we're past like the fire Ollie stuff. Maybe we're not, but we're past the point where I thought it was possible. Cause I did. I thought, man, there was a moment there before the Contreras stuff. And then once the Contreras stuff happened, I actually thought, Oh, they're not going to fire Ollie because this is, this goes way deeper than, you know, the decision they made, when everybody said fire Ollie and I was like, I don't think they're gonna, but at some point they got to do something. The something was Contreras getting pulled. It wasn't like Ollie was never in danger is the reality. Um, and I good, good because he, I think he's a good manager as I continued to tell you guys throughout the, the darkest days. And he said, remember when he said it takes a hell of a lot of courage to be patient. I kept remembering that and thinking Cardinals fans don't have the patience right now for, for, for you to be saying that. But, um, I, and again, I'm not going to act like the Cardinals are out of this yet. There's still 11 games below 500. I get that. And, he, and the starting pitching is not fixed. But the move that they made, the radical move, they did need to do something. Um, they, If Contreras being pulled from catcher was going to be the something, they should have communicated it a hell of a lot better. That was a complete freaking disaster last weekend. The communication was as bad as, as it's ever been from the Cardinals organization. And there have been some moments in the recent past where you go, what was the communication on this? Like Colton Wong in center field. Like, you know, there's just been some of those little moments over the course of time that that people can look at and point and go, oh, they totally bungled that. Like Contreras wasn't communicated with. The part that I don't think gets talked about enough is the fact that he did not know Trace Barrera was getting mm -hmm. called up. Like he didn't know that that was happening. The communication that the Cardinals had internally with Contreras was a joke. That has to not happen again especially not with a guy that you like he was your one move this offseason. The human relations aspect of it has got to be improved. 
And again, I don't know what the game of telephone was like. If it was John Moselak tells Ollie, here's what we're doing. Yeah, let's ease off of Contreras. Or like, I don't know because they won't tell us. And maybe someday they will. And so I say all this because it's like, I'm going to delve into speculation when I say these things. But I also have to like double secret probation, let y'all know that I'm not doing this because I like have inside knowledge of, of it. No, like, in fact, I have less knowledge than I otherwise would because I wasn't even in the room when some of these things were happening because I happened to have been out of town when all that went down. I was out of town at a wedding in 2018 when the Cardinals fired Matheny, and I was like, if this weekend goes bad and they want to fire Ollie when I'm out of town, that is going to suck. But instead, they changed catchers on us a month into the season, five weeks into the season. So, but, like, that was the move. That was the big thing. That was the shakeup, even if it was communicated really poorly, that was the moment where I was like, oh, this is bad. This is really bad, but they're not firing the manager. They've, they're finding other things to uh, to apply blame on. And so that's my, like, spiel. I don't even know why I started talking about that. Oh, Einstein talked about Marmel. Yeah. You know, he, uh, he'll he be all right. Let's get the likes up to 60. I think we've got enough people in the stream still to do it. Uh, and if you want to be a chatter, you can be a chatter. You just have to subscribe to the Brendan Schaefer YouTube channel, and uh, within 60 seconds, YouTube will let you join the live chat. With Newt's at-bat against a lefty in the sixth, I think it's time he leads off every game from here on out. Keep Edmund in the nine-hole. Love Newt batting off. That's for, or leading off. That's from Rhino. I think I kind of agree with that, honestly. Um, I think it'll take pressure off of Edmund, too. Like, he hasn't been great in the leadoff spot against lefties, necessarily, even though he has historically killed lefties. Like, one for five today. Uh, I don't know when that hit came. I, I can't remember offhand. But that's I kind of agree with that. Like, let Newt cook is kind of uh, the way I would go. That's a great point. And it's very counter to what they you think they want to do because they're very splitty. They they lean into the analytics and stuff like that. But but yeah, Newpar has really shown just a a a really good ability to take good abs no matter who's on the mound. I've been impressed, and I I raved about him earlier in the stream. So if you missed that, scroll back. And by the way, check it out on Spotify. I'm pretty sure. Let me double check. Yeah yeah, we're still recording on my Audacity on my laptop. So this will be on Spotify audio only. If you don't want to uh, rewatch the video tomorrow for anything you may have missed, uh, that's always an option as well. Be Shaved Daily is the name of the pod, so check it out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, honestly, biggest thing I got to ask about Cabrera is why Dusty Blake didn't pull up. I get Ollie not taking him out, but I don't remember Blake coming out. Yeah, Einstein, I don't either. I'll admit I was kind of doing dishes, so I was running back and forth uh, during that part of the game. But I don't. Rec- I, it, it happened really quickly. So if if Blake came out, it was only for a moment. But I honestly can't remember. It kind of feels like he might have. I, if he did, I'm, I'm misremembering it. Um, but yeah, for that moment, it was like, I just remember them showing Ollie on the screen, and he had that look in his eye like, why are y'all doing this to me? <laughs> Tonight of all nights, on my birthday. No, I don't think it's his birthday, but it was just one of those deals where he was just pleading with Genesis Cabrera to get a double play ball right there, and... Uh, he did not get that. But I think kind of underrated aspect of this game is the fact that they got out of that inning with only being down by one, right? They were down six to five, I think, at that point. It could have been a lot worse than that when you get first and second and then the guy doubles. It could have been a lot worse than it was. So kudos to the uh, the baseball gods on that one. Brent says, I know a lot of fans want Shane Bieber, but a lot of his metrics have fallen off hard. K's per nine, spin rate, and velo may want to avoid him. Yeah, for what you'll pay for the name value, you could be right about that, Brent. Uh, I know at least in terms of, like, I play a lot of, I say a lot, I play some fantasy baseball, and it's all dynasty leagues that I do. 
And uh, I remember kind of diving in on Shane Bieber wondering, do I really want to go trade for this guy? And I had kind of decided that it was going to be a deal where the name value, you're going to pay more for him than he's probably worth at this point. Um, but at the same time, is he better than anything the Cardinals have? Yeah, I think so. So that's tricky, but you don't want to give up a, a stud. You might give up some some prospects for him, but again, the pitching prospects that are on the come, I'm talking about Libertor and Graceffo and McGreevy. I'll throw Zach Thompson into that bucket as well. These could be the starters of tomorrow, and I know the Cardinals are always locked into a tough situation. Of, well, it's not tough to always be contending, but the expectation is always to contend, and so you you got to sacrifice at times to uh, to bolster the present. But like I said, too, they got to get to 500 before they can think about adding via trade, I think, in terms of like a, a buy win, a, a buy now sort of move. Nate says Gorman hitting the pinch hit homer still emphasizes for me that Contreras needs to get back to catcher ASAP. I agree. Every day that they don't have Contreras uh, catching is a day that they honestly aren't maximizing their lineup. And that's nothing against Andrew Kisner necessarily. I, I guess it kind of is, but he's over today. The OPS down to 576. He's not a terrible hitter, um, but for a starting catcher, it's a, he's a poor hitter, what I expect to see from him day to day. But he's fine for the backup, but that's the thing. He's not playing as the backup right now. He's playing on an everyday basis. He's getting more uh, more run right now than Yachty ever did, right? Like, he's playing every game. He's starting every game. I think Trace Pereira is going to have to start tomorrow, isn't he? Which is even crazier because you're like, if you think Contreras, a seven-year veteran, now an eight-year veteran of the game, Major League Baseball can't figure out what the Cardinals pitchers want you to do behind the plate calling a game. Is Trace Pereira going to do it? He's kind of a, you know, a journeyman guy. But we'll see. It's a day game, though, tomorrow, I think. Like a 3 o'clock start. So I would have to imagine eventually they get a rest day for Kisner. But maybe they thought, yeah, yesterday's your rest day, bud. Uh, good luck to you. We'll see. But, yeah, Gorman needs to be dashing, and they, right now he's not. The Grave of Einstein adds that uh, about every one of his peripherals uh, about Shane Bieber has fallen. I think he's a dog up there, even uh, even with that, but he's going to be worth more than he's worth. Yeah, he's going to cost more than he's worth. I agree. Uh, Max says, what do you think about the comments on Ollie on the Contreras situation along the lines of he's making progress? Yeah, we talked about that. It is really vague, Max. Hopefully I answered your question. Um, if you missed it, I know I'm I'm seeing the comments later than uh, than they were asked, and so hopefully Max... Gets a chance to see that because I did dive in on that pretty good uh, about 20 minutes ago. Ace Rob says they got the win today, and I'm happy, but damn, the pitching is still garbage. Not saying Wainwright is, but, uh, you know, we all know he can pitch. Yeah, I mean, he's he's struggled. They've all struggled, and they've got to be better. Plain and simple. What's up with Tommy on defense? Gold glove caliber to negative defensive run saved to something. Uh, I I don't have any shame in saying it. They, they screwed with him too much. They told him he was going to be the starting shortstop, and now he's at second. I think it's ridiculous. Um, Tommy would never make that excuse. I don't have a better answer, though. Do you? Like, he, yes, second is where he was a gold glover. And I doubt, like, it's almost probably offensive to his talent and his ability for me to say that he's taking that mentally in the field with him. But sometimes it's just one of those things where, you know, how many reps did he get at second base leading up to the season compared to what he got at shortstop? Because in spring, they said DeYoung was going to be the guy to float. And I don't even know if it... I guess it was asked, and now it's too late to really go back into it. It would have to be like a really good Sunday morning in the manager's office where you can be like, after a win, you can be like, hey, man, Ollie, I'm kind of wondering, 
y'all said it was going to be this one way, and I know it's been months since this has really been decided because every time DeYoung has played, it's been a shortstop. Um, but what do you make of that? Because I really do think that that is counter to what they said it was going to be at the beginning of the year. They're, Edmund was going to be the shortstop. Tommy Edmund is our shortstop. It was a quote. John Moselec said it. It was definitive when he said it, and they did not pursue a shortstop in the offseason. At winter warm-up, John Moselec said, DeYoung was going to have to be the guy to move around at different positions. We haven't seen it. Does that mean that Tommy Edmund, you know, is would make that excuse as to why he's made some some errors at second? No, it's ridiculous. He has expectations of himself. But from the outside, that is all I have, Einstein. Um, do I think it's fluky? Yes, but it's happened a few times now. So, like you said, the negative DRS is what it is. If that's what it is, then it, it's probably a little more than a fluke. But, uh I, I think long-term he'll be fine, but I do think they yanked him around too much, and I think they should have to wear that a little bit. Visual tedium, have you ever noticed the connection between the film Aliens and the Cardinals roster? This is going to be a quick one because I've never seen that movie, so I would not be able to comment on it. I do apologize. Redbird says, Wayno, he did do good. He did good. Not really. Two home runs allowed, four runs allowed. Could have been better. Trevor, is the car pod you're referencing? Oh, yeah, Trevor, you're totally right. He said, is that the one you're referencing where the spider attacked you? And that's actually the reason I started telling that story in the first place, Trevor, and then I didn't get to that part. Yeah, so I was talking about Lars Newbar and how they should not trade him for Frankie Montas, and legit, live in the, not live, but recorded in the podcast, the spider got me. <laughs> like, there was a spider in my car as I was humming down the highway, and uh, I had to, I think I had to stop the podcast in the vehicle, pull over, and then unpause the podcast after I disposed of the spider. But I'm pretty sure I never found it. That was the other thing that kind of sucked. I never think I actually got the spider. So that was a little bit scary. It was a pretty big spider, too. Like, decent, I don't know, decent size. Double Dabble says, props to DeYoung in the ninth. Everything started with that at bat. Yeah, tough walk. Uh, the analytics guys might not agree, but a walk and a stolen base translates to winning baseball. I would say analytics guys would agree with that because analytics guys, money ball, that's all about on-base percentage, and walk gets you on base. What did Jonah Hill say in uh, money ball? He gets on base. That's all That's all we're looking at, and, and Paul D did. That was big. Ryan F. says Milwaukee is 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Pittsburgh is 1-9. and nine. Division might be up for grabs. I've been saying, I've been new. Uh, Milwaukee's a better team than Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh will finish below the Cubs still. They'll finish fourth. Reds will finish fifth. Um, but Milwaukee is the one that you just better, better keep hoping they lose because they're the only other team that can win the division unless the Cubs get hot and get magical, and they could. But I'm going to say hierarchy, Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, Pirates, Reds. Those are my predictions there as of now in terms of, like, chance to win the division. That's right. The team that's eight games or seven games out, I'm picking them. Deal with it. Uh, Trevor says, how many more wins would STL have if Newt Bar hadn't gotten hurt? I think at least a couple. He's a machine on this team. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of something else to think about. When 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 stuff started really going off the rails, he wasn't on the on the active roster. That kind of hurt. Redbird says, Newt is so good. Seen him in person, real deal athlete. Yeah, he's he's athletic. I can tell you. He's, he's an athlete for sure. Um, yep, Craig is right. That was the spider episode for sure. And the beatbox version of the pod intro music by Brendan. Yeah. I didn't have the little doot, doot, doot going on that I always do for B-Shape Daily, so I did it with uh, with the vocals that time. You guys have a great memory. 
Number 5712, what sucks about the rotation struggling so much is that instead of this being a year where some young guys are adapting to the majors, it's just a bunch of older guys being bad with no upside. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, they got a lot of veterans, but here's the good news about that. I mean, I guess I say good news. They don't have the same rotation for 2024. Like, no Flaherty, no Montgomery, no Wainwright. So, yes, it's a bummer that young guys aren't getting experience right now in preparation for probably taking over a brand-new rotation next year in a lot of ways. But um, the guys who are old, you called, and aren't pitching well, more than half of them won't be here next year. So, there you go. Max says, yeah, no way they go back to Helsley uh, giving them 1.2 tonight. Yeah, I agree. He's going he's gonna to be a no-go tomorrow. So, it'll be up to Geo. You might see Verhagen in, in a situation where it's a one-run game. They might have to after, you know, Palante goes. and Although Palante is more of a lefty. But I think James Nail is still on the team. He's not really a leverage guy. Kind of weird that they don't have Zuniga out there because they I could have seen him getting into leverage, but they sent him out for Nail and the, or for Wainwright. I kind of figured Nail would be the one to go. Um, but Nail, they probably would have to DFA. I think technically, and then he would have to clear through waivers like Modder, but it happened last year and it worked out. But uh, nevertheless, Brandon says he didn't watch the game, but looking at the highlights in the ninth inning save, I wish I had, I guess. <laughs> Always hard to win at Fenway, no matter how the Sox are doing. It's a big win. Hope they get another streak. Um, yeah, I guess for Helsley, that's not a save, right? That'd be a win because he came into the eighth. And so for fantasy purposes, if that's what you're talking about, no save for Helsley, right? Uh, Hunter said didn't get to watch. Looked, uh, Nolan went four for five with a homer. Breakthrough game? Yeah, it looked like it, Hunter. You could go the, check out the stat cast. It was like 108, 105, 104, 105. I mean, every batted ball, he thumped them. So, good to see from Nolan for sure. Jo Joe said tonight's game was one where uh, I was happy we won, but also annoyed. I told my wife, I said, it's going to be a good stream tonight because uh, I said this before the end of the game, like, like top of the ninth, they were still batting. I'm like, People are going to be happy as long as they hold on to this win, but there will still be a lot of things to ask and talk about that people are going to be pissed off about, so it's going to be a good stream. Like, y'all get more animated when they lose, but tonight you got to be animated about the bad stuff but also enjoy a win. So it was kind of a perfect storm for the stream, which I think has gone really well. So appreciate you guys uh, being here, and uh, make sure you subscribe before you head out if, you, uh, if you're if you getting uh, tired on a Friday. It's, it's not even 11 o'clock, though. Y'all can Y'all can stick with me a little longer here. Uh, the Grave of Einstein adds, I think the pitching is going to regress positively. It's never going to be good, but it's going to be good enough. Yeah, it's going to. there will have to be some regression to the mean, I think, but how far does that carry you? Like, are they a, like the 23rd best rotation right now? I don't know what the, the stats would say ERA-wise. I can't imagine it's much better than that. Could they ultimately be more talent-wise like the 14th best rotation? I think that's very possible, uh, especially the more Wainwright can dial it in. That helps you. But that's not playoff caliber, right? Only 12 teams make... No, is it 14 now? I can never keep it straight with MLB expansion. Nevertheless, that's not going to be the unit that carries this Cardinals team, is my point. So they got to get it from the offense to the bullpen and the starters at least getting as good as they can be to allow the other units to maximize what they're able to accomplish. Twice in a row, Wayno has had that bad fourth inning. You can kind of blame it on the umps, and then that becomes a bad fifth. Probably the rhythm and confidence... Got screwed by the long fourth. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely something that can build on itself, and you try to avoid it, but uh, he was not able to tonight. I'd have to go back and watch those pitches on the back-to-back -back homers in the fifth. That was just kind of, I was just kind of wild um, that that happened to him. All bad things come in threes, so be prepared for next time. We'll see. 
I think he can get back on the horse. Seth asks if this is the best that Hells has looked. He looked really good tonight, but he's nasty. Like, don't forget that he's nasty just because sometimes it don't work out. He's nasty, but he did look really good, Seth. You're right about that. And Paxton surprised Einstein today. Hasn't had that velo since 2017. I heard that he's that it was the first time in his career where he struck out the side looking. All three strikeouts were looking. I forget what inning it was, like third or fourth or fifth, one of those. And uh, then I got to wondering, like, how often does that happen at all in baseball? He had thrown, you know, 790 career innings and had never done that. I'm like, I would venture to guess that most guys have never done that. How often do you see three strikeouts looking in an inning? Strike out the side. But nevertheless, <laughs> Max like my joke about Palante getting some barbecue in him. It's not to say you can't get barbecue in St. Louis or, you know, Kansas City or uh, you know, Boston probably not is not huge on bar- uh, barbecue, but if they ever expand to Austin, Texas, you can get some actual good barbecue down there. Hey, oh, no, I love St. Louis barbecue. I'm just playing. Um, the case of Oliver Marmel proves that if you win games, nobody questions what you do as the manager. It's exactly right. Like somebody in this stream literally said he pushed all the right buttons tonight. And I talked for 20 minutes about a button that you could argue he didn't push right. And nobody seems to care, which is good. I think they could, you know, Ollie could use a break from y'all for a minute. But it's crazy because if the game had been lost 6-5, to it's all we would be talking about. So it's kind of funny. We can admit that, right? We can admit that. We can have a sense of humor about things. Andrew says, you think Wilson wasn't calling pitches in Chicago? Is there a chance he's never called pitches and the Cardinals didn't know it? Oh, my gosh. It's not impossible. (laughs) I need to do some digging on that and see if that's possible. I didn't even think about that, Andrew. Because how embarrassing would that be? (laughs) I'm going to say that's almost too crazy to be possible. But I love that. Like, what the Cardinals have allowed us to do is speculate, right? If they don't tell us what's actually going on, we can speculate. How crazy there's it it's there's no way though. I'm gonna give the Cardinals front office more credit than that. There is no way. There is no way. How funny would that be? That would be an all timer if it was true, Andrew. And that's my favorite question of the stream, but I think that's not <laughs> The Grave of Einstein says the Cubs pitchers were just throwing whatever and Wilson had to catch it. That's why his framing sucked. He didn't know it was coming. <laughs> that is uh, that guys, that is the that is really funny. That's the hardest I've laughed since yesterday when my co-host said the Cubs batters knocked up Andrew, uh, Jordan Montgomery when he meant to say knocked around, which, again, at KTGR Big Show on Twitter. If you give our, our show page a follow, that makes me look good, helping get us more follows. Uh, but check out that video. It's just like a, a quick 90-second audio clip. If you need a good laugh, you'll get one there. But that's good, Andrew. I like that question, Andrew. Thanks for joining and, uh, and asking that one. I know Mo got away with it. I saw him on, or how he got away with it. I saw him on the tour, and he was a very attractive man in person. (laughs) Okay. Uh, He smiles, and you want to be like, yes, Mo, I am fine if Contreras doesn't catch anymore. He's a stylish man as well. We always, you know, the bow tie is what he's known for, but uh, very, very sharp dresser, snappy dresser. I wish I had the confidence and, and well, the money to dress dress nice like Mo. Instead, I wear Bucky's T-shirts. I get by. I get by. Uh, Aaron says Wheeler has made a good point on Twitter about how Flaherty, Michaelis, Matts have all been the main pitching problem. So if they felt they needed to fix something with Wilson, they should have DH'd him for just those starters for a while. Yeah, I could also see that. I could see that argument. Like I said, Wainwright calls his pitches. So if even if that conspiracy was true about Wilson not having a lot of familiarity calling pitches, like Wayno could call him for him. So you could do that. Why does Wayno keep getting screwed? Preston wants to know. Twice that a missed call 
uh, by an ump led to runs. Yeah. He's getting screwed a little bit. That excuse, I call it an excuse. It's a fact. Like, the ump was squeezing him. But that line only is going to work so long, and Wayno doesn't want to make excuses about the umps. But, like, he's kind of going through what the whole Cardinal season was there for a while of, like, if anything could go wrong, it would go wrong. And he was kind of getting the bad bounces and stuff. And he's only had two starts. So sample size will catch up, and I think ultimately it'll be fine. Preston also adds that Newt is the real deal, most clutch player on the team. Uh, he very well might be. He very well might be. Ryan Sieg does not want Bieber for the Cardinals, which he did say the other night. That's true. Uh, Einstein wants me to respect the name Connor Thomas. Uh, is he the only Memphis starter that I didn't name? And I like Connor Thomas a lot. He's a good dude. And I uh, I, I do think we'll see him at one point, uh, and I hope we do. But I think I named all the other Memphis starters of the current rotation except for him, so that's fair. At what point do we start thinking about what it would look like for the Cardinals to be sellers at the deadline? Aaron, we don't, especially after four out of five wins. But they do have interesting pieces that they could turn into prospects. Monty, O'Neill, relievers. You didn't say Flaherty, and that one is true as well because um, he's on an expiring deal. And maybe Edmund. Edmund, I wouldn't want to trade because he's, uh, even if you're selling, because he's not like close to expiring contract. He's got more years of team control left. Uh, O'Neill would have to hit better to, to, to re reestablish value, but, uh, yeah, he could, he could be another guy cause he's only got next year left before he's a, a free agent. And Aaron also wants to know about the foul territory interview. It's a podcast where Zach Gallen was on there talking about getting traded from the Cardinals. I saw it. I think it's a little bit of an oversimplification. Basically, if you've missed it, Zach Gallen was in the, uh, Ozuna trade along with Alcantara went to the Marlins and then the Marlins shipped him off to the Arizona Diamondbacks for Jazz Chisholm, who is now the cover athlete on MLB The Show 23, and the, their center fielder, who, you know, used to be a shortstop. But anyway, Zach Gallen was like, yeah, I, I, the Cardinals were upset that I missed some voluntary offseason workouts or something, and I had a wedding in November, so I missed that one. In December, I couldn't go. And then the next one, they were like, hey, someone told me I really needed to make sure I went. So I went there, and I did the whole thing, and, at the end of it, they're like exit interviews or whatever. And they were like, yeah, you didn't really need to be here. And so that was weird. But then he said when he left, you know, he got a text that he was traded like the next day or something. And so he thinks that the two things are related. That They were mad at him because he wasn't Cardinal weighing enough about like doing his offseason workouts or something when he had like evidently legitimate reasons not to go. I think it, it probably happened, but I also don't think it's why he was traded. I think the Marlins probably wanted Zach Allen. And the Cardinals probably said, well, we prefer to keep Flaherty and Hudson so you can have Gallon. Like, whatever the way the negotiation went down, I don't I, I don't doubt his story. I don't think it was why he was traded. I hope that makes sense, Aaron. Um, that was my impression, anyway, of watching that, that clip. Aaron also says, what I hear a lot of talk about, what pitchers say they should have signed in the uh, offseason, but we really should be talking about how they should have signed Scherzer instead of Matz. Yeah, they should have signed Scherzer, like, three different times in their history, and they didn't, so... Uh, yeah, they should have ponied up for Scherzer. Oftentimes, as a result of wanting to have a lower payroll, they settle for shopping on a lower shelf, and they off they often do it ahead of time, like early in the cycle. Steven Matz, when they signed him, that was before the lockout, and they were really trying to get somebody to secure the rotation because they knew the lockout was coming. Savvy, but you still got to sign the right guy, and they thought they did, and evidently, you know, so far it's not looking great. Gorman needs to play every day. I get it. We've talked about, you know, that situation. They think they've got better guys to take at bats against lefties right now. Um, but I understand it, Ryan C. The grave of Einstein, I always thought 
that the Cardinals thought highly of Gallon, but then thought very, very highly of Ozuna. It's about, it's. I think it's less about Gallon than Gallon says. Right. Um, I don't think the Cardinals thought very highly of Ozuna, and I know they don't now after actually getting to experience him in person. Uh, eh, I don't talk negatively about too many people, but, you know, you know the deal. Um, but I think they wanted Christian Yelich, and Mo did not call the bluff, and they said, well, we already told everybody we were getting an outfielder, so what do you want for Ozuna? They get Ozuna, and I think Stanton had, had rebuffed them, right, didn't want to come, and uh, so they get Ozuna, and then what do the Marlins do? Yeah. They trade Yelich to the rival, to the Brewers. So, like, if that same trade happens, but you got an MVP season out of Yelich instead of what you got out of Ozuna, I think people don't talk about it as much because the Cardinals may have won a World Series or they would have at least gotten to an additional World Series if they had that version of Yelich instead of Ozuna at the time. So, or they may not have gotten Mike Matheny fired. Is Are those years lining up? 17? Yeah, Matheny might not have lost his job because uh, MVP Yelich might have, might have uh, had had enough goodness in him to, to keep him afloat. Who knows? Uh, Brandon says, oh, thanks for correcting that about the W and not the save. Uh, yeah, well, Brandon, I don't even know if I was right. I didn't look. Yeah, yeah, Helsley did get the win. I thought you were talking about fantasy and you were sad that you had Helsley and didn't get the, the, the save. Um, but now I understand. You, you meant to just say W, which he did get. Yeah. Einstein says, uh, I have the Cardinals rotation at 16th out of 30 in my head. Performing right, ninth in bullpen, fourth in offense, long shot for World Series, but easy playoff caliber. Yeah, I think top five offense is right. Uh, and you get Jordan Walker up here performing, and it could be even higher. I made the claim at the beginning of the year, and I still think it could happen if they got on a hot streak. They could lead the league and run scored. Although, probably second. The the Rays have like 75 homers, and most teams have like 30 home runs or something. The Rays are ridiculous. I mean, what they have done with pitching over the years is one thing, but now that they're doing it offensively too, it's almost not fair. Uh, and the, the, when the books are written about this raised front office, I can't wait to read them, um, because they know what they're doing. They really do. Um, let me scroll up. Okay. Big picture. Do you think they screwed up with Hicks typecasting him as a reliever versus taking the time to develop him as a starter? Uh, you could argue that they screwed up with Hicks. I think the answer is yes, but would he have made a long-term starter in the end? Maybe not. Um, but they they went down that road so long with him as a reliever, and then he got hurt, and then he was, and then they gave him a chance to start. Like he got the chance last year, but so much had happened in between that it's like the development was probably was probably stunted in that regard. Could he have made it? I don't know. But I like that Zach Thompson is being pulled down now, right? Like Henesis Cabrera, I remember being in his at his locker in spring training, asking him if he's going to be a starter this year. Like he was another guy. Now, does he fit more in the bullpen? Yes. But it's interesting that the Cardinals, usually you got to be like a failed starter to become a reliever. And the Cardinals take a lot of successful minor league starters. They make them relievers over the course of time. This goes back to Carlos Martinez. I mean, he was one that they put in the bullpen and they were able to make him a starter. But that's the last time they've done that successfully, really. Other than that, they haven't developed it. And you could make a case that maybe the way they try to rush guys to the big leagues as relievers can stunt development. Dakota Hudson, they brought him up as a reliever in that 2018 uh, trade deadline. It was like the, August 1st, he was up for the first time. He was a reliever down the stretch of 18. I don't know if that stunted his development. Like, he was a successful starter for at least a full year after that in 19. And then he had the uh, the Tommy John, uh, I think, later, and then 20 maybe came back, whatever it was. So that's maybe not a great example. But typically, 
you asked about Jordan Hicks. I mean, yeah, I think that they rushed him along that spring. He was not somebody going into spring you thought was going to make the roster. And then the last outing that he had, they, the stuff was so good. I think it was five spring training innings against like the Astros or something. And he started that game and he looked great. And they're like, oh, we got to have him on the team. But he was good as a starter. You put him in the bullpen. Now he threw 105 and then everybody sees that big flashing light bulb of 105. And then he was doomed because they were never going to have him be a starter. And eventually I get it that they tried it. But you're right. It was very uh, disjointed, his route back to starting. And so I think that's fair. Uh, who is better, Helsley or Bautista for the O's? Felix Bautista, the first time I saw him pitch last year, I said, oh, he's going to be one of the best closers in baseball. And the Orioles, it was a perfect team for him to be on at the time um, because you just knew that he was like going to be on a good team. The Orioles had young players. They're about to be a playoff team. Uh, I thought they owed it to their fan base to try a little harder to be one last year, but they, they dealt Trey Mancini. But no, I think Bautista's better. Um, he's just... He is amazing. He is amazing. Now, that being said, 13 walks this year for Bautista, a 1.59 ERA, but I don't, I'll bet you Helsley doesn't have that high of a walk rate. 30 Ks for Bautista as I kind of look up the numbers here a little bit. Helsley's only got 17 strikeouts in 14 innings. So, like, here's what I'll say. Bautista, much more dominant. Much more dominant. I mean, the strikeout, the Ks per nine is, is overwhelming in his favor. But I think Helsley, you know, he... I don't think it's that cut and dry. Like, only five walks in 14 innings. Bautista, a little more erratic, so there are going to be times where you have to pay for that. And still 10.7 Ks per nine for Helsley this year. So, I'll lean Bautista, but I wouldn't trade Helsley for him. I would still, I, you know, I would say keep the guy you've got unless you're playing MLB The Show and you just want to want to use a different player, you know. I think they're both, they're both two of the top closers in baseball, though. Uh, continuing on Wilson never calling games, this is Trevor again. He was at his best when the whole staff was veterans. There could be validity to this. Again, we don't know that he's never called the game, but I think I think it's was funny, and I would like to find out for sure that he that he has or the extent to which he had. But I would sincerely doubt that that's even possible in this day and age. Uh, first, Ryan F. Mosaic is not doing his shopping in STL. That's not true. There's a lot of good uh, high end stores in like the uh, I don't know. I forget the the Frontenac, Frontenac. They've got stores over there, right? Then there's some good malls, West County Mall. I like West County Mall. They got some nice stores. Uh Ryan C misses going to Bush Stadium and having an ace. This year's different. It's just sad. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, right now they don't have an ace. They have anybody performing like an ace. That's true. Uh Einstein says I like the Helsley fastball slider combo better than Bautista's um two pitch combo. Although Batista's slider is better than the Helsley uh, changeup or curve, he says. Helsley is still better, maybe not by much, however. Yeah, I think Helsley's got better command. Like, again, 13 walks, I think, for Batista in 17 innings. So take that for what it's worth. But they are both high velo, awesome closers. I think Felix probably throws harder. Uh, what's going on with Hudson? Is he hurt or pitching that much worse to not get an opportunity? Yeah, earlier I had made reference of naming all the the Memphis starters, and uh, I forgot that Dakota exists. Um, and so, unless he's hurt, I I honestly don't know. I should. Let's find out. Let's see what he's been up to. I would say that first of all, there hasn't been an opening in the rotation, and if there was one, Libertor would take it, um, because I think he's been the, the guy that 
is knocking on the door. Uh, Dakota's had four starts with a 5-4-0 ERA in Memphis. So that answers your question. And I don't know if he's presently hurt or not. I, you'd think he'd have more four, more than four starts by now. So somebody might be able to answer that. I haven't. I I should know, but I don't. Ryan C., how did our scouts go from finding hidden gems like Pujols to giving it away? Is this the baseball gods cursing for being good for 113 years? Eh, the 70s were pretty bleak, weren't they? And like the early to mid-90s were bad. Uh, Fandom says, holy what ifs. I don't know what that means. Aaron says, if you had to, just based on your gut, no real info, guess at what is the highest payroll the Cardinals could actually afford. What would you guess, $200 million? I have to. I guess I would need to know what the current payroll is. I should probably know that, but offhand I don't. But it's upper one hundreds, isn't it? I mean, what they could afford, or what they're willing to afford, because what they could afford and what they're willing to afford are two different numbers. Active payroll says one sixty, luxury tax payroll one eighty three. This is spot track that I'm looking at, so I don't know if that's reliable or not. Honestly, I'm not like one of those payroll fiends. Like some people look at this stuff every day. And I'm like, eh, it's going to be what it is. I think that they could go to 185 to 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 190. Like, yeah, they could do 200. They could. They're not going to. They don't want to. But yeah, they could do more than that. No doubt. DeWitts are worth billions, and you could technically afford Otani. Yep, that's correct. Rays front office or Astros, which is better? Um, Rays, because the Astros is different people now um, than, like, the Lunau years that really built that. They had to tank to get there, and um, Lunau's not there anymore. And so the people in charge, like, James Click is not there anymore, right? Um, he was the GM of the World Series team last year, and then he's gone because he, they wouldn't give him a long extension. They were trying to go year to year with him. Um, so the Rays. I mean, it's their, it's everybody. And everybody that will then leave the Rays, like if – here's what's tricky. Like Mo, I've, I've talked about Mo Zalok after 2025 is going to be not the guy anymore in St. Louis. I think he's going to – I am not don't know the word, retire, or if it's just like take a step back into more advisory, whatever. But they're going to have a new lead dog, I think, at some point. I really like Randy Flores. Gersh, I think, could be an option. Um, but if they if they went external, which I don't think they'll do, it's just not the cardinal way, right? You always kind of pass the baton, so to speak. I, I shouldn't say always, but they fired Jockety. Mosellock was part of the front office. They they promoted from within. But you just you just throw a bag of cash at whoever is figure out who's making the the money decisions with the Rays, and you throw their bag of cash at them after Mo is is calling it a career. But, yeah, Ray's front office is the best in baseball right now, no doubt. Aaron wants him to move to Charlotte or Raleigh because Tampa does not deserve that team. Yeah, I don't think down in Florida they really fully appreciate it because there's other stuff to do in Florida, reality. Fandom said, I said that when we were talking about Ozuna and Yelich. Yeah, um, I don't think it's holy what ifs. I'm just telling you that that's what happened. They didn't call the bluff. Um, Yelich was... If they would have just said, no, we'll, well, we want Yelich, and they would have said, we're not trading Yelich. Fine. Okay. Have fun with your outfield of a team that, you know, you're trying to rebuild. And then they would have traded Ozuna somewhere else. And then they'd go, well, now Yelich demands a trade because he realizes he's on a sinking ship. And so, yeah, 
will the Cardinals end up trading Moises? They might as well. They're not going to call him up, so sure. He'll be the next out of Luis Garcia. When are they clearing up the logjam outfield? Having guys like Walker and Gomez crushing doesn't help. That's from Mike. Uh, yeah, I Gomez and Luke and Baker, I think, are players the Cardinals just don't think are good. I don't know. Like, they're probably not going to call them up. Uh, I would love to see, of the two, I think Moises has a better shot of being legit, but I'd like to see Luke and Baker. Like, it's not even fair to Luke and Baker that he is in the Cardinals organization. He should be already the starting first baseman for the Rockies. Why he's not, I don't know. I know they have, who they have, Crone, the Crone zone. He's been pretty good this year. But he'll be traded at the deadline, and so then they'll have an, an opening. Like, it's what the world deserves. It's not for you and me. It's for all mankind. Luke and Baker deserves to be hitting dingers in Colorado. And for Lucan's sake, he deserves it too. Um, if you sign Otani, you'll forgive every mistake since 2012. The 93 Cardinals were 87 and 75. They would have won the Central, but it was the last year of two divisions. Yeah, so maybe the the late 90s before McGuire is, I guess, what I was thinking of that was lean. Uh, Aaron says, I know they won't, but yeah, I think it's fair to say that the only reason we don't have Scherzer or aren't making a play for Otani is penny pinching, which, like, it's also a deal where if you do enough of those big contracts at once and up, uh, on pitching in particular and the guy just blows out his arm, then you're like, well, crap. Now we're just eating this money for years and years and years. <laughs> Lucan for Chris Bryant. I think the Rockies would do it and pay his salary. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but, I mean, the Cardinals would take it um, if, if that were the deal. Ryan C. wants to sign Trevor Bauer. Uh, no thanks. Jacob, why are we so poor at transitioning players from AAA to the pros lately? Used to be a point of pride for the Cardinals, but it seems that lately everyone who's called up has struggled. Yeah, it's a player development question that I think is a fair one. Um, pitching side in particular, but even on the hitting side, I think there's some validity to that. Um, but then again, let's come up with some of the names. Lars Newpart, did he struggle? No. Um, he had a little bit of growing pains, but that's a young player. Like, AAA and big leagues are two different leagues for a reason. And so it's not just always going to come very quickly. But it came very quickly for Brendan Donovan, right? So let's give credit for the ones that do show up in ball. Tommy Edmond, you know, he was another one that came up and has turned himself into a really good player. Um, Gorman was fine last year, was not the star that his prospect pedigree maybe you wanted him to be. But uh, he was solid, 7-something OPS with 14 dingers. And now he's come back even a better player in year two. But from the pitching side, it's a fair question. There's no doubt. Okay, I do believe, I do believe, ladies and gentlemen, that I made it to the bottom of the comments. So at an hour and 48 minutes, we're going to wrap things up here. I would love to ask you to subscribe. If you've been lurking and you didn't comment tonight, go ahead and subscribe so that tomorrow or the next time we do one of these, whenever that is, you will be able to uh, do the comments with everybody else. And you won't even have to wait the one minute. I'm going to keep doing that, though. Make people wait a minute. That way I that way I get the uh, the, the subscriptions. That's the whole point here. Um, I would like to get those. Yepes has some trade value, but not a ton. I think he could go somewhere else. Again, he should go to a bad team that can afford to play him every day at DH or first base or whatever or outfield if you, if you must. And just see what he does as a hitter because he might end up being a really, really good hitter. Uh, two more people should like the stream before we get out of here so that I can get it to 60. Um, but I am going to wrap things up here. Check it out on Spotify. If you missed anything, it'll be up tomorrow morning. Uh, one more plug for the Patreon, patreon.com slash bshafer12. The link is in the description if you want to go check that out. Uh, new bonus podcast. If you got 25 more minutes tonight and you're like, I need to listen to something, subscribe to my Patreon for, like, there's different tiers, but five bucks a month is all it is, really. 
And uh, you can listen to that podcast and all the other ones that I do that are bonus. And we got to 60 right at the buzzer. So thank you guys so much for joining me. I appreciate y'all hanging out with me for a couple hours tonight uh, for this edition of B-Shape Daily Live. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.